What's a podcast to do when it's scheduled to air, and yet two of the cast members have suffered from technical or life issues? Well, it's time for a flashback episode. How about one with Grace Moreau? Grace and the Plague Doctors of Paris. This is Gothic. Let us go to Paris. Allons-y. And to the Paris Opera House. Nothing quite like the Paris Opera House for Gothic architecture. So the uh, the images, if you do a Google image search of the Palais Garnier, uh, one of the more popular ones is that like famous double staircase that like comes down and it like merges into one staircase. Mm-hmm. And um, I once fell asleep accidentally on the bottom step of that uh, opera house. This is Sharon in real life, not Gray's. <laughs> I was very jet lagged. Nice. <laughs> Did anyone wake you up? <laughs> <laughs> I just like laid down on my back on the step, but I've never felt marble that was so comfortable. <laughs> um, at the point at which this uh, little flashback takes place, where are you at in your training? Um, golly. Are you early on? Have you been doing it for a while? I'm thinking probably fairly early on. I uh, I don't think Grace was one of these people who was, like, from a super early age raised to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Grace is also, in this time period, a, a black woman. Um, mm. So there's some baggage that comes with that. But, uh, yeah, I, was, I guess I was picturing being more early on in my training. Um, so you are at ingenue phase, uh, rather than star of the stage. Yes. The opera house itself is still somewhat astonishing to you it's Mm -hmm. um soaring ceilings the red curtains of the uh stage itself the um high layered tiers of the wealthy and the influential in their vip boxes um, and the crowd stretching out in front of the stage are all still also new to you and also this idea that there are real monsters in the world is still all so new to you too. How did you come to find out about um, this? How did you get in, inducted into the sect of the Barbazines? Uh, I was kind of picturing some kind of traveling Parisian uh, uh, oh God, I just had the word um, Fancy boy, a traveling Parisian fancy boy. Fancy who, boy. <laughs> a fancy boy who is coming to America to see the mm-hmm. the fancy new American. Okay. I named him Anton Berger. So he has ended up being the uh, both my voice instructor and my instructor in my kind of immediate um, superior in the Barbazine. So you are still impressed by all of this stuff. Absolutely. So in this flashback, uh, we find ourselves uh, at the great opera house in Paris. Uh, Outside, the lights always shine upon its facade, uh, for uh, the light must always shine upon art. 
and inside the great chandeliers hang low from the high, high ceilings. Their, their wedding cake layers of light uh, illuminating the frescoes and the gilding and the beautiful mosaics upon the walls. Uh, while even so, the hallways seem weighty with the voices that have passed there, with the uh, power brokers that have wandered these great halls. And this is after a show. You were not in it, um, but you, as uh, was your want, um, you lingered uh, near the stage or sometimes in the back of the auditorium, checking the acoustics at all points to see how voices sounded, because you do quite enjoy the singing part, um, a, a singing that you never thought you would be able to perform in front of um, an audience such as those that gather here, but yet which your mentor has promised that one day, if you listen to him well, you will. But your mentor is not currently about. Um, he uh, was called off for some uh, reason, but he felt that you were probably okay to be left upon your own at the Opera House. But cool. um, the show is now over. The Most of the uh, audience has uh, gone out at least into the, the grand front halls uh, where they are hobnobbing with one another and with the singers. But um, there is something about the theater itself, the, the stage, the um, chairs all arrayed in rows, the uh, tiers of the um, of the uh, private boxes above, that is also just so very. What's a good word here? It's the symmetry. Yes, there you go. Symmetry. You like the symmetry of it. Uh, the beauty of the voices coming from the stage at first, and then the clamor of the crowd as they rise to their feet and applaud and then talk with one another about the show, and then the silence that follows. And so you are basking in that a bit when you hear a um, shout from behind the curtains, which are now closed. Uh, the great curtains are. Uh, where am I standing in the room? I thought you said I was in the, at the back of the room. Um, sure, that's fine. Uh, so I hear... Uh, okay, so I hear a sound from behind the curtains? Uh, a shout. A shout? What kind of shout? Um, one that is cut off, and then there is a heavy thump. Well, that sounds... Well, almost at the same time as it is cut off, there is a heavy thump. Wait, let me give you a heavy thump. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Patrick, are you okay? No, kidding. Uh... <laughs> Well, accidents happen in the theater all the time. There's all kinds of ropes and pulleys and sets and uh, props back there. Somebody might have hurt themselves. I'd like to go towards the stage. And So you make your way down um, from the far end of the uh, seating, of the regular seating, uh, down through all of the chairs and everything and um, up onto the stage and then push aside the heavy, heavy curtains and... Uh, uh, make your way into the backstage area where the lighting is very dim. It's not non-existent, but uh, it's uh, it's very dim. Um, just a few uh, lamps lit here and there, uh, and you see um, actually on the 
um, on the stage. Indeed, what you what you feared, uh, which is that one of the sandbags uh, has fallen from uh, its high struts, its high supports, and apparently directly over a stagehand who is lying prone on the ground with a sandbag and spilled sand next to him. I uh, would like to hurry over and move the sandbag off of him. Not a difficult thing to do. I mean, it's uh, the sandbag has, has mostly, the sand is kind of drained out of, of it, so it's easy to push off of the stagehand. Um, okay. He is groaning and says a few words that are difficult to make out, but uh, sound like something like Edgar. And you know that, uh, as it turns out then, um, Edgar is the name of the uh, stage manager. Oh, gasp. Who would have been back here at the time, probably. This guy's saying something, and it's really hard to tell what. But if you want to do and investigate a mystery, you might be able to get more information out of him. Sure. I'm going to investigate a mystery by being like, Are you alright? Do you need Edgar? Oh. Investigate a mystery is plus sharp. I rolled a six. So that's great. Uh, hey, question. Do I mark experience during a flashback? <laughs> um, yes. Okay, dope. In the, in the Scooby game, I let them um, mark experience and even gain new powers in the past that they don't have until they come back from the flashback. <laughs> cool. So in investigating a mystery, it says on a miss, you reveal some information to the monster or whoever you're talking to, or the keeper might ask you some questions which you have to answer. Oh, so it's like a reverse investigate a mystery. The mystery investigates me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would, here's what I would ask is, um, given your training, would you have been likely to, as soon as you see the guy fall or see the, this guy, you know, sandbagged <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. on the stage, would you have um, drawn your weapons? Uh, at this point in my training, I'm picturing probably not. I think probably my voice training has come first. And uh, when I've proven that I can, th- you know, do things like have my stance and breathing properly, then the uh, fight Do you even coming. have weapons? Um, hmm. You know, probably I do. Maybe I have the silver knife. Maybe that could be like a, you know, it's obviously probably not a great idea to initiate somebody into this sect and uh, have them potentially encounter monsters unarmed. So you have the silver dagger, but not the um, not the fighting the, sticks. Not the fighting sticks. Okay. Plus, a knife can be you know stowed discreetly on one's person without necessarily being like, "Hey, look, I'm carrying a weapon." Uh, yeah, he, he he says something, but you don't quite make it out, and then he passes out. He passes out. Mm-hmm. Okay. He he falls unconscious. He uh, is unable to. Um, provide any more information to you due to your ridiculously low roll <laughs> <laughs> out of the zero information that he provided me i started doing that like panic like mini slaps on his face like hello hello are you all right and then i do one of those like help somebody needs help over here <laughs> shouting at my shoulder at that though you hear the release of a rope and that no. rope as it comes like fizzing through a Uh, pulley system and you look up and you see a sandbag coming straight for you dodge out of the way (laughs) you need to act under pressure oh good cool my uh lowest stat 
<laughs> well, so you're killed in the past, and none of the, oh, none of the present stuff happens. That's a bummer. We're going to have to redo the entire show. <laughs> you failed, didn't you? <laughs> it's a seven minus one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I like dodge the wrong direction, and I like <laughs> go directly into its path. <laughs> yes. You you dodge the wrong direction and you you trip on the stage hand, in fact, and kind of uh, fall backwards a little bit from that. And uh, it it doesn't hit you full on. It doesn't crush you underneath it. But the uh, sandbag does um, um, strike you for knock the wind out of me, kind of thing. Well, it hits you for uh, one point of harm, not armor defeating. Uh, I have one armor, which I had kind of thought about modifying into like all those ridiculous layers of like brocade and whale bone okay. and like all that kind of stuff. It's just like built into my dresses. Maybe I've got some mail under there, a mail corset. I mean, and sometimes on stage you have to get dressed up in armor, even if like, there, you know, there's armor costumes for women and stuff like that. So. So, so actually, yeah, uh, you are knocked aside by the sandbag, but um, you're actually protected by the uh, layers of uh, whalebone and corsets and, and pre-Kevlar Kevlar that is <laughs> woven into your, uh, your dress, which isn't as fancy a dress as you would be wearing if you were going to be on stage. But your mentor uh, insists that you look the part of a... Uh, of a star at all times. Actually, that's very fair. He likes to say, this, this, Grace, this is what this is. You must be the star before you can be the star. Be the star. Be the star. Uh, now you're a star uh, lying on the floor with sand poured all over you. Oh, I'm a fallen star. And you see a dark figure darting through the shadows and deeper into the shadows, away from you, um, across the backstage. And there's something not right about the shape. It's a little bit too bulky in places where it shouldn't be. It's a little bit too thin in places where it shouldn't be. Okay, I want to uh, scramble to my feet and just kind of stare after it and see if it's going to come back. Because kind of my immediate thing is like, Oh my god, Anton's not here. I've just seen a thing that's not supposed to be here. This guy's in trouble. Uh, there's no one else around. And um, I'm like freezing. I'm standing over the guy who's on the ground. Bad situation. Okay. Lots of rolls Maybe. for me today. See if you can raise your level in this flashback. This is great. I get to do all the rolling because nobody else is here. Haha, ha, Jesse and Nathan. Eight plus one is nine. Nine. Hmm. I think what I'm going to ask is, what's the best way to protect the victims? Because uh, I, Sharon, would like to ask, are there any dangers I haven't noticed? But I think Grace is fixated on this thing and is just not thinking about her surroundings. Well, you're kind of going to get the answer to both of those things all at once. <laughs> because, although, yes, you, you do have uh, your stagehand here who has been hit by a sandbag, and you also hear uh, voices of... Perhaps the other stagehands. You hear people talking in normal voices coming oh. this way uh, okay. from the opposite direction of where the dark shadowy figure went. 
But in that direction of the dark shadowy figure, you also hear some muffled, not screaming, but shouting perhaps, but it's very, very muffled as if uh, someone were trying to scream with a gag in their mouth or something like that. And then oh, uh, you also uh, hear the sound of uh, something being dragged across the stage floor there in the back. Oh. Something heavy, like a victim. Oh my God, I'm noping so hard right now. Well, uh, I think my first instinct at this point in my training is like, I need Anton. I need to pass this up the line. Uh, I'm not supposed to be like a solo operative yet. And what I'm going to do is put my knife back away and like, shout for the guys who I hear approaching and get them to take care of the dude who's already been felled by the sandbag and kind of, you know, explain the situation breathlessly and be on the verge of tears because that's a good tool when you're a, a, a young lady. Um, yeah, three or four of the other stagehands come in. It looks like they were just out on a smoke break before coming back to uh, finish up the cleanup. And they see the sandbags on the stage and they see you crying over the body of this unconscious stagehand. I'm just hand. like... <laughs> A sandbag, and I don't know if he's okay. I, I don't know where my teacher is, and he just is he gonna be all right in, in French? You know, they they do a little freaking out of their of their own, but uh, um, there's some minor first aid given, and then within oh, say 10 minutes or so, uh, a doctor shows up, having been summoned from nearby, perhaps even having attended the event earlier mm. and having been caught before he got onto his carriage cool. uh, out in the street. And uh, the, the stagehand, whom we'll call Louie, is uh, bandaged up and taken off to convalesce somewhere. Also, questions are asked of you as to whether you are, you know, in any way hurt. Uh, of course, others ask you if you know, you know, know what happened, um, what's going on. Uh, I repeat the same thing that I just heard a noise and I came back here and uh, he had clearly been hit by a sandbag and then another one fell down, which is why, uh, largely why I'm crying. But I do insist that I'm okay and that uh, I was, I insist that I was not hit by the sandbag. Okay. Uh, and then I'm unhurt. But I would like to like maybe grab somebody's sleeve and ask them if they've seen Anton because he was in the building earlier. And I feel like my immediate thing needs to be to find him. I mean, Anton is, I mean, it's not going to be like soon before uh, he can be here. Uh, he's going to, I mean, he's out and about somewhere. And okay. uh, he'll have to be hunted down. Uh, so right. at best, it's probably going to be an hour or two uh, before he can be tracked down. Okay. What I'm kind of hoping for is that maybe somebody else will go find Anton so that, like, I at least don't have to go into the darkness of wherever that thing went, mm -hmm. uh, not knowing whether I'm going to get reinforcements. But uh, The way I gather this is not all of the um, singers, even, are part of the uh, Barbazine. Yes? Yeah, especially just, like, you know, really, really background minor. If you're, like, an opera singer who's famous enough to be you know, scheduled every season and given leading roles every so often, you you have a pretty good chance of being uh, approached about participating if you're interested, but uh, definitely not all of them. 
I'm going to be uh, taking one of my uh, hard moves since I get to do that on um, on uh, failures on your part. <laughs> oh, good. And I have several to choose from this evening. Oh, good. That's so comforting. And say that, uh, um, in fact, uh, all of the performers who are also uh, Barbazines are at after parties and unavailable um, oh, on great. swift notice. Okay, that's wonderful. So it's an hour uh, wait for Anton, um, given what you find out from people who seem to know where he is. Judging from where he went, which was to uh, a uh, dinner of uh, potential influential and wealthy patrons who could uh, help the uh, Barbazines, which is why he went out um, on an opera night. This is also a very important function of the Barbazines, is to uh, schmooze with rich people. All right, well, I want to insist that somebody send a courier after him anyway, but I am at this point making the decision to go after that thing that I saw. So by the time you um, send, start sending word out for Anton, it's been a good solid half hour since the events went down. Yeah, but yeah, that's just what I'm fixated on at this point in my training is that I'm just like, I need to report this. I need to report this. Are you going to wait then for Anton to show up? No, I am not. I am sending word that, um, hmm, what would a coded message look like? Probably something along the lines of, uh, your student is in distress and, uh, would request your presence backstage at the Palais Garnier. Yeah, that sounds fun. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, tap one of the other stagehands and point where I saw the thing and be like, where does that go? Actually, this is something you don't need to ask. Oh, cool. Do I know this? I envision you knowing, you know, the basics of the place. And in fact, okay, even totally. some of its secrets, because you are Barbazine, so you know yeah. that um, the the uh, secret rooms and the tunnels and such um, under the opera house mm-hmm. uh, are real, although those have been closed off by the Barbazine to, to uninitiated eyes. Yes. But uh, the ways into them are still known. And you know that really the only place that, uh, that that section of backstage could go is, well, to what everybody else would think would be nowhere, just, you know, dead ends and blank walls. But there are paths that go down into the old spaces where the phantom once ruled. Well, in that case, I'm going to follow. I'm going to look for any kind of markings, or I'm thinking about, like, uh, scrapes in the dust, since I heard something being dragged, potentially more spilled sand. You know, just kind of anything to figure out. Uh, I figure I probably know how to get to the entrance to the secret passages, uh, but then I'm going to... I don't know if there's, like, a tracking... Well, it's uh, essentially, it's going to be um, investigative mystery. All right. Investigative mystery. Where did it go? Oh, yeah. Twelve. Hey, that's two failures put together. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, fine. It's a full <laughs> success. Yes, where did it go, first of all? Quite clearly, the drag marks, which show some signs of struggle as well. Oh, good. That's comforting. Um, go to a a section of floorboard that you know can be pried up and um, reveal a uh, ladder that goes down into the old sections. Hmm. 
Hmm. I'm going to pry it up and go down the ladder, I think. Down you go. And oh, it is dark down there. You do happen to know that there are lamps and uh, even the occasional uh, torch down there left over from the old days, but uh, none of those are lit. So whatever came this way, came this way in darkness. Would it be reasonable to say I carried a method of making fire, like matches or something? Do you feel that would be reasonable to say? Sure. Let's say that's like a thing of the Barbazines you like have to have. I would also let you, if you don't want to go too far to try to find... um, you know, one of the lamps or something to light. Uh, you could retreat briefly to grab one of the um, one of the lime lights from yes, the. Yes, uh, I'm going to do that. Because those are more. Those are going to be more like uh, lantern-like. Uh, actually, kind of bulky even. And the light that they shed is going to be a uh, yellowish green. Spooky. Cool. I've got that. I'm going back down the ladder and then lighting it and then taking a look around. The drag marks are still quite present, especially in the um, dust of these lower levels. However, it's the other footprints that uh, are somewhat disturbing to you. The other markings that aren't the drag marks of Edgar um, dragged along somewhere. And those might require you to use your other hold. Okay. What sort of creature. That's the one I was thinking you might choose. I was thinking about that earlier, but I didn't think it made sense at the time, so. It appears that uh, there was uh, one figure dragging Edgar, but then as you follow these tracks down this dark hall, the yellow-green light of the hissing limelight uh, projector uh, in front of you, and I can't wait to see some fan art of this because I think it has to have like a whole backpack kind of set up for the thing to work properly. But <laughs> <laughs> I just like rip it out of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is mine now. That is shining a cone of yellowish green light ahead of you. And in that rather grotesque lighting, you see how at various convergence points of uh, other narrow hallways, because this section of the um, of the underworld was mostly just used for the phantom to move from place to place quickly, uh, no large rooms here, just narrow halls. But off of uh, the main one, you see that at least two, maybe three other uh, sets of uh, these tracks join with the uh, main set, and all of them um, are definitely and very distinctly not human. In fact, they look very much, except for the size, oh, no. rat feet. Oh, God. <laughs> it's funny because I, uh, I share and think rat feet are, like, super adorable. <laughs> <laughs> True. But that would be really weird to see in the... Okay, I'm, uh... <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, all right. I think uh, Grace is super creeped out. And, um... Ooh, spoopy. <laughs> I would grab one of my rats, but they're in the other room. Okay, so there's uh, three of them, is what I'm seeing. At least. Well, yeah, it looks like it looks like three. So I kind of pause at that, and I'm like, all right. I think what I want to do is gather some information and, and then go back to the surface while I will wait for Anton. Because especially now that there's three of them, I don't want to have an actual confrontation. I just want to... I want to have something, you know, to present him with so that I didn't just stand there watching this thing disappear into the dark and have nothing to tell him. Which would be also very good if I didn't have a couple of more hard moves that I could use against you. Ah! I die in the past, guys. I'm so sorry. 
I'm nuffled to death by giant rats. As you are headed down the hallway, uh, you suddenly realize that um, where there were three sets of tracks uh, dragging a body, now there's just two. And at that moment, you hear a sound right next to you, <laughs> and you whirl, but there is a <laughs> there is a, a five-foot-tall bipedal rat already leaping upon you, um, clawing and pounding at you with uh, its gnarled, long, gangling hands, and it's ripping at you, and it's also uh, hitting you over uh, the head with a, um, a stage spike. I'm going to shove the limelight in its face. Unfortunately, this is a hard move, oh, damn. and so I get oh, to deal no. damage to you before you get to react. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, you take two points of harm, uh, not armor-defeating, not armor defeating. Right. So was the was the other the other harm that I had from the sandbag did not uh, count because it it didn't uh, that didn't count. Right. Okay. So this one's not armor defeating. In Monster of the Week terms, you actually took zero harm from that earlier one, which can do things, which in that case knocked you down and caused you to sprawl, but it didn't do any lasting damage to you. Yeah, like having the breath knocked out of you, kind of yeah. thing. Okay, so now I have two not armor-defeating, so I have one armor, so I have one. They have one harm, yeah. Harm. So okay. that one does uh, rip cloth and um, skin yeah. in places, and you take a pretty hard thump upside the head. I also scream. <laughs> I'm a soprano. I can scream very loudly. But you scream in, in alto. <laughs> <laughs> I scream in alto, like it's a different language. <laughs> And the words of your mentor come back to you. Grace, this is important. You must always use weapons at hand. This is uh, not always the weapons you are trained in, not always the weapons you would like to use, but you must be flexible. You must, as you use your voice in so many ways, you must also use your surroundings and whatever is at hand. Yeah, I'm shoving the limelight in its face. I'm thinking about blinding it, but, uh, you know, it is actually an open flame, so... Kick some ass. Woo! Come on, dice. Don't fail me now. They failed me. They failed me, Patrick. They failed me real bad. <laughs> I got a... I got a five. <laughs> Total. <laughs> I realized just now that the limelight was connected to the stage, and I haven't had it this whole time. <laughs> Oh, God. Sorry. I'm going to die in the past. It's ridiculous. You take two more points of harm. That is uh, before armor. And the the uh, the rat thing just freaks out. This goes kind of crazy, but its own momentum um, has already thrown it onto you, and you both go stumbling backwards, and you smash into the uh, far wall, which is uh, wood and stone. At the same time that the uh, rat thing smashes you in the head with the um, spike and uh, you drop the um, lantern, which immediately flares and goes out in a uh, burst no. of, of light. And then you lose consciousness. Oh, great. Great flashback, everybody. Oh, <laughs> Past Grace is very successful and uh, doesn't fail at anything ever. <laughs> Actually, though, you... Don't lose consciousness for very long, and when you come back to, it's only the awareness that you are thinking uh, to yourself <laughs> that you realize that you are conscious because you can't see anything. It's still in darkness. I can, like, feel myself blinking, that kind of thing. 
but you feel like you're still more or less where you were, uh, but you don't uh, sense the presence of the rat thing nearby anymore. No, like little claws standing on me or anything like that. Or big claws, I guess. Rat claws are very little. <laughs> Actual sized, non-anthropomorphic rat claws. Uh, cool. I mean, after a period where I like make sure I don't have any legs broken or anything like that, I'm gonna get the hell out of there. Actually, wait. Do I feel like I'm? I'm. I feel like I'm still in the same place, right? I haven't moved. Right. And in I'm fact, like... as you're moving around, you feel the um, the lantern with your foot. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm skedaddling. I'm going back the way I came by memory. Uh, only a few touches of my fingertips upon the walls, and finding the ladder, and going up, and getting out of the trapdoor. Guess what I get to do? Oh, look how many hard moves I have. Oh, a hard move! <laughs> it's so many. It's so many hard moves. You get turned around in the dark, and you you go longer than you expected to have to, and you don't find the ladder. I swear the ladder was here somewhere. But you do find a door, and you realize there's light coming from beyond it. Oh my god. I thought you were going to say a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> you do find a dead body. No. That's comforting. Okay, I find a door. There's light coming from around it. And it's flickering, flamey kind of light. Not not anything steady like a lantern or even candlelight. It's more like brazier fire. I'm going to suppress my immediate instinct to open it and rush through. And I'm going to listen through the door and see if I can hear like normal human voices and not squeaky rat noises. You hear a lot of noises. It is a swishing of fur on fur, of uh, bodies against bodies, of... Um, chittering and the squeaks and guttural noises of inhuman things. All right, back into the dark. I'm going away from the door. <laughs> and also <laughs> the muffled screams of a human. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. I don't think very much time has passed. That's not the sense that I got. I don't think Anton's probably here yet. I was really determined to leave... Is there enough space under the door that I can peek under it? Uh, you can give it a try and investigate a mystery if you so desire. All right. Come on, Bone Dice. Don't be haunted, please. Ha-ha! I got a... That's a sharp, right? I got a 12. Nice. Hold two. I feel like all of these questions are kind of obvious. If you'd rather do read a bad situation, you could do that too. I don't know, whichever one you... Well, either way, you'd still have the hold two, I believe. Hmm... Yeah, let's say I read a bad situation instead of investigated a mystery. Because I kind of know what's on the other side of the door. I just don't know what the setup is. Let's say I'm going to ask, I think... That's rat language. Um, I'm going to say, what's the best way to protect the victims? Because I'm f fighting with my desire to wait for Anton, but I also don't know if this guy will survive that time. So, do I stay or do I go? You open the door a crack, just enough to kind of peek through, and you do see a uh, large chamber. Once it had desks or other, you know, furniture in it, there's still remnants of that. There's papers everywhere, there's posters on the walls, but all yeah, faded. Pa papers and, are in nests now. <laughs> and, and yeah, and a lot of those papers have been um, shredded and are in piles on the floor, and... This is obviously a nest of sorts for these creatures, of which there are perhaps a dozen. Oh, no. And they are swarming over the poor form of Edgar, the stage manager. And Edgar is not having a good day. 
Poor Edgar. Edgar is not having a good day. He is being killed with many small slashes and cuts and scrapes and bites. Oh, no. And uh, nibbles across his body. His clothes are shredded. His his hair is partially pulled out. His uh, one eye is apparently gouged out. And it is a horrific scene lit by two coal braziers that... uh, the, looks like the uh, rat things have probably found here, but the coal probably came from some of the dressing rooms for the uh, fireplaces. Yeah. And you just see them swarming um, over over Edgar. And then they look up and see you. Ah, oh, goddammit. <laughs> so the best way to protect the victim um, actually is, at this point, you know you can't fight them. Your best bet is to draw them away from Edgar. All right. What's my best way out? Now that you've looked into this room, you know it. You you haven't been here, but you've seen it on um, uh, maps that Anton mm-hmm. has drawn for you or that has shown you from the uh, archives. Yeah. And you know the route back to the ladder. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty straight run. Um, there's a couple of jogs that you wouldn't have known to make necessarily because you got caught up in tracking the creatures earlier on and weren't really paying attention to the turns you were making but that's reasonable but now that you know where you are you know how to get back do you mean like grab him and run or like draw them away and leave him lying there if they're all capable of dealing the kind of damage that you experienced just from the one i gotta say that your chances don't look good if you try to go in there and grab him and get him out yeah that's kind of what i was thinking it's full of desks and papers mm-hmm. mm. i mean they're coming uh, they look like they're they're quite would ha- yeah. quite happily come for you and look like they would do it in mass does edgar by my estimation look like he if they were to stop swarming over him, could get up and leave. Strangely, yes. It's all like lacerations and stuff. No, yeah, like it, it seems more damage. like they're they're not teasing him, but they're not killing him. They're they're doing. They're just wanting him to hurt. It looks like. Uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise he would already have been, you know, dead. Here's my other question: How far are the braziers from the door? From you? Yeah. Mm, they're set about. Uh, midway across the room, uh, which isn't a huge room, but uh, you're looking at maybe uh, eight or nine feet. Okay. And I think they're, I'm pretty sure they're faster than I am. So, all right, then I'm just going to slam the door open and uh, wave my arms and shriek at them. And uh, I think what I'm shrieking is, you know, Edgar, get ready to run or something like that. I'm going to make sure I have all of their attention, which I assume I do. And as soon as I see the first one start to pounce turn and just book it in the opposite direction towards the ladder. Uh, as long as you're acting on the information that you got, you get a plus one going forward. I'd say act under pressure here. Okay, I'm uh, acting under pressure. Oh, right. Cool. My least good stat. Guess what? I rolled. It's a still a six. Good lord. You're making it really hard for me to keep you alive to you know continue I'm with like, the I'm, rest I'm of the show. I'm channeling Nathan here tonight. <laughs> This is it. Oh, man. Freaking A. Oh, well. So you run. You run like you don't recall ever having run before. And you're running in the dark because, yeah. And you hear them behind you. You hear them um, skittering across the walls, across the floor, across each other as they they come for you. You glance over your shoulder once and and imagine or see... The um, green glow of their eyes um, in the darkness. 
you stumble, but you get up. Uh, you're not used to your uh, heavier than even normal clothing yet. It's a new dress. And so it feels like you're being dragged down. It feels like you're running through a dream. And for a moment, you hope that you actually are dreaming all of this and that you will wake up. And it's just a nightmare caused by the stories that Anton has been telling you. But, but you don't wake up. Did the opera have giant you keep <laughs> You keep running. You careen off a wall, take a corner. You careen off another wall and take another corner. You know that the ladder is just up ahead, but you can almost feel their breath on the, on the back of your neck as you're running. And their whiskers. Feel their whiskers on the back of your neck as you're running. Uh, but then you see it light uh, from ahead, light coming in around the trap door that you know is at the top of the ladder. And you can mm-hmm. see the ladder and you leap for it in those last few feet, and you start Mm -hmm. scrambling up it. And again, just a glance back, and you see their massed forms in the darkness, just bits and pieces of them here and there, as the uh, uh, light from the trap door shines on them. And then one of the rungs gives way, snapping. Oh, no. And you fall back into them. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. I almost made it. But <laughs> then... Yep, that's what I land on. <laughs> <laughs> then the trap door is flung open. Light streams down into the space. And then Anton's voice uh, oh, comes down. And he yells, Back in the name of the forces of goodness and light. <laughs> and he shoves a torch, oh, an funny. actual light, down into, the, um, down into the darkness. And it flares. And the... It flares and to the point where no torch, no normal torch could do so. It sparks and fizzes and light just fills everywhere down here. And the, um, the rat creatures bolt off in all directions. I, um, he's reaching it down into the passageway, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's kind of leaning down into the hole, shoving the torch down. Uh Take it from him as if he was offering it to me and like, you know, run a few feet and waving it after them like yeah get on given the i mean i think it's a little bit too high for you to do that but uh he sees you reaching for it and he he can he can toss it down to you and in that same motion almost and uh and i'm like anton calm down someone's hurt all right so um we can just do a quickie wrap up because the rat things uh vanish into the into the uh, corridors from whence they came you are able to retrieve Edgar, who is still alive, but infected with oh no some well pretty nasty things. The same things you're infected with, uh, because that's what it appears that they were doing. They were wanting to. Um, it appears that they were wanting to incite a plague, to instigate a plague in the city, and they were doing that uh, by abducting well the stage manager, and then you came down, and then that was going to give them the impetus they needed to uh, start a, a nasty little plague. But the magics of the uh, Barbazines uh, is able to cure that fairly quickly. Once it's figured out what happens, there's a few bad days of sickness <laughs> Yes. Uh, on your and Edgar's part. I have also had all of my vaccines, if vaccines exist at this point in history. <laughs> 
Although the rat things themselves are not uh, able to be hunted down, the access that they got from the uh, catacombs into the into the underworld of the uh, opera house are sealed up. I suggest marking them also with quicklime. They don't seem to like that. This suggestion is considered and judged to not be a bad one. And uh, in fact, you have kind of gone up in the eyes of the of the sect here, uh, of the Barbazine, because you have shown yourself capable on your own. I mean, as capable as they, anyone could expect you to be. Rad. The Gothic Podcast is produced by C. Patrick Nagel, with theme music by Zoe Hovland and cover artwork by Jared George Art. Listen to The Gothic Podcast on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Gothic Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for The Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please visit our Patreon page. Thanks. Thanks.